Sunday Golds, Aria Masudi and Brett Nevitt. Florida State having a, a great week of of baseball, really. First off, they you know everybody knows they beat Florida. They know that they swept Miami, and then Brett, I thought you know coming against a UCF team. Um, this was going to be a unique challenge for FSU, kind of riding that high of um, beating your rivals. And this was, uh, again, a unique opportunity, I think. UCF, you mentioned in the preview, was probably going to come in and and play really hard because it means something to that program to be able to knock off Florida State. And um, midweek games always weird because it has a different energy and a different vibe. But um, I thought Florida State actually stepped up to the challenge against UCF. It wasn't a dominating win, 6-5, to and... Um, Carson Montgomery back on the hill what were your initial thoughts on the matchup against the Knights yeah I just thought it was a weird night overall um, I mean UCF starter was throwing a knuckleball um, infield fly mania um, walks in the game uh, overall it was just a really weird night at the ballpark long game um, just kind of was waiting for that thing to end um, you know you just you take away any way you can get one I think yeah, and so we're going to talk about the UCF game a little bit here, but mainly this is going to serve as a preview for Wake Forest, a much more important um, series for FSU. Um, we, we prioritize weekend series over midweek, and Florida State looking to try and win its fourth straight, I believe, ACC series of the year. Um, should be a, a lot of fun, and uh, we'll break that down here in a second. We are on Apple Pods, Spotify as well as Google Pods. Uh, Please continue to uh, give us five stars. Uh, Those of you who have not, uh, if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and um, leave us a message. Tweet at us, ask some questions, and email us if you can. And more importantly, just share this with your friends. Uh, I know there are thousands upon thousands of FSU baseball fans. Uh, I've been following the the Knowles since I was eight years old. So uh, I know how passionate this fan base is. Um, Brett definitely knows how passionate this fan base is based on just the uh, the people that follow him for this sport on Twitter and, and read his articles on Tomahawk Nation. So please do, uh, by word of mouth, let your friends know that if you like podcasts and um, you want to listen to a couple of guys that you know live and breathe Florida State baseball, that this is the podcast. Sunday Golds is the answer. And so we do appreciate your listenership. So far, it has been a lot of fun to do this. Um, and so, yeah, six to five. Florida State over UCF in extras. And, Brett, let's break this one down. It started off, Knowles uh, had Carson Montgomery on the mound, four innings, three hits, two runs. Uh, Both were earned, two walks, and nine strikeouts. And uh, he actually looked really good for about three innings. And then um, just the command kind of left him just a a touch, and I think UCF took advantage. Yeah, from the first three innings, he looked as good as he could have looked. You know, sliders on, and when when sliders on, that's kind of when Montgomery's at his best. Um, I thought just the fa- I thought he got away from the fastball in the fourth inning, which led to uh, the, the just and then UCF sort of just started laying off the sliders. I mean, early on they just seemed to be swinging at everything, kind of. I mean, they just a lot of really silly swings. Um, you know, he had 17 swing and misses in his first 48 pitches. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Um, I think at eight Ks after we had tacos after three innings. So that was a highlight of the night for sure. You know, I know my roommate already went and got a free taco. So thanks to Montgomery for the free tacos. But, yeah, I mean, the fourth inning just kind of started to um, unravel a little bit, you know, leadoff single and then a walk with one out. Then you get two outs and you, and you hit, a, hit a batter with, with two strikes and then um, UCF makes you pay. I think it's a first or second pitch opposite field single on a fastball for two outs. I mean, for two RBIs. Um, you know, just just putting himself in a bad spot with the free passes and not being able to get ahead of guys. And, um, you know, it was just weird to see the fastball not get used a ton. I know um, that they probably would have liked to go back and do something different with that. But, um, you know, I, I just think we've seen flashes of what Carson can be multiple times this year. Um, he's been dominant at times. I think he's been dominant in a portion of every single one of his outings, but he's also had that one really long taxing inning that um, he just can't really get over. So if he can just find the consistency for a whole outing for once, you're going to see what he can really do. I mean, it's just, I just feel like every time he's out there, it's one inning where it kind of unravels for him. And it's kind of similar to what we saw from Bryce Hubbard last year. And um, he's, He's, um, you know, he's, he's got over at that this year, and we've seen how dominant he's become, and I think Carson's stuff is even better than that. So, you know, it's always good to see the flashes, but just want more consistency and more efficiency and more command. Yeah, Carson, I mean, we all know what to expect out of him, I think, in his future and his development, and um, scouts love him. Um, he was top 35 
in the um, MLB, you know, pipeline top 200 going into uh, last year's draft. But um, the Knowles did get a couple of runs early to kind of give him some some run support. It was in the third inning when FSU was able to uh, get on to Kenny Serwa, um, UCF's hurler on the mound. And in the third, um, you know, we, we starts with a, a Tyler Martin single to left field. Tyler actually had a couple of those hits where um, he was able to um, kind of fight off fastballs to left field and kind of have them drop in there for base hits. Um, and we'll talk about something Tyler did later on. But then um, I thought, you know, FSU kind of worked the count a little bit. They did a nice job. Nelly got hit by a pitch. Um, and then Robbie Martin, stay hot, stay hot, right? Robbie Martin, 2-2 um, pitch. He works a, a count to a, a favorable matchup for him, and he gets the pitch that he wants, sends it to, a, I think it was like right center field, center field-ish to the wall. Um, on a line drive and uh, meat was really aggressive you saw by the way Matt Nelson was moving that's that's the best he's he's sneaky um with his athleticism running the bases Florida State takes the lead two nothing yeah and that's just I mean Florida State didn't have much hitting for the day but I mean they had hits when they needed them I thought early in the game um you know first four runs all came with two ounce um you know Tyler obviously had a really nice day I just thought overall Florida State had a better day at the box than the numbers probably show. I mean, first off, you had a guy that was throwing a knuckleball, and I, you know, I asked me after the game how they prepared for it. And he said we didn't really know um, if it was a knuckleball, something else. So it was kind of had they had to make um, big in-game adjustments from that. Um, they didn't have much film on it, so I just think that they, um, you know, it's not something that you can easily adjust to, and you're not really knowing if it's coming or not. Uh, but, you know, I thought there were a lot of hard-hit balls. I thought Parker had a hard-hit ball in the first. You know, I thought Crowell had a couple hard-hit balls. Um, you know, I thought Reese had a really nice um, day for his first day back. Um, you know, no hits, 0 for 4. But, you know, his first two balls, I think, you know, if you're afternoon game or a hotter day later in the year, you, you, those balls might be gone. I mean, two warning track shots. Um, just a lot of good swings that didn't get rewarded. You know, I learned a lot of people pointed out that Florida State's bottom six in the order were 1 for 24, which – Yes, that's not good, but, you know, Florida State's really been hitting lately, and you're going to have one of these games once in a while, um, you know, and the results don't always equal the product, or product doesn't always equal the results. Um, it's not, it wasn't as bad of a night as you would have expected from just looking at the hits. I mean, only seven strikeouts for Florida State in 10 innings. Um, it was not, I don't think it was a bad night offensively at all, and, you know, you're not going to score 10-plus runs every night. No, and I, I think you touched on it, but Early on, FSU had some chances, I think. Um, they made really good contact. Like, I'm trying to think of specifics. I mean, the second inning, I think Albert... Reese hit one to the wall. Almost. And then Crowell lined down to second, and then Nander flew out to the warning Parker, track as Parker well. Parker also got a hold of one straight right at the center fielder on his first at bat. I think it was a first-pitch fastball. Um, FSU, like you said, I, I think they hit better than the box score indicates and, and you know I actually was I had a lot of fun uh, during this game I was doing some uh, production work for the national tv broadcast and so I was on the field kind of making sure things were going right and just talking to some of the guys near the dugout and, and some of the the, stu- the the managers on the team um, you could kind of feel the confidence from Florida State against Serwa because they were seeing him well like there wasn't a whole lot of um, deception yeah the knuckleball was at times, they were kind of having to feel that out, but they were all over the fastball, um, and you knew it was coming, so they get those two runs. UCF, we mentioned, gets those two back in the top of the fourth to tie it up. It's a good baseball team. UCF's got a good squad, folks. They beat Ole Miss, who's number one, who was number one at the time, twice in Oxford on the road. So um, we've also mentioned that anyone in the state of Florida, they play baseball. Like The kids are playing year-round. They're talented. Your average team in the state of Florida is much better than your average team in, say, the state of like Nebraska or something. So, um, yeah, uh, UCF kind of fights this one through. And uh, the Knowles, though, bottom of the fifth, uh, O Canada comes back uh, to fruition. The animals were doing their thing, and the Knowles go back to back with Tyler Martin and uh, Matt Nelson. Yeah, again, it's just the bottom of the order. Um, coming through a two ounce, you know, first two hitters in the inning, um, go down in order. And then um, Tyler gets up in a favorable count 2-0 and does damage on a fastball. Um, and this is just what you want to see doing damage on a, on a favorable count um, on looking, hunting fastballs. You know, I don't even think he really fully got it. It just kind of, you know, just powered it over that fence. And you don't really got to do much sometimes. Um, really good to see Tyler do that. You know, I asked him after the game how it felt. And he was just like, well, I'm just trying to help my team and just 
not, not much to do with uh, my first career homer. So, I mean, Tyler's Tyler. This is just what he does. Um, you know, it's no doubt he's one of the best leadoff hitters in the country and definitely one of the best leadoff hitters in the ACC. Um, you know, three hits on a night and another walk, three runs. Uh, I think he leads the ACC in runs, leads the ACC in on-base percentage, second in average, hitting 400 now. Um, this is one of the best players in the ACC period. Um, and D1 baseball doesn't have him rated as the top 30 first baseman in the nation. Um, you've got that wrong, D1 baseball. Um, Tyler Martin's a top 30 first baseman, and he's a top 30 player in the ACC as well. Do they have him anywhere else? No, they, they don't. Didn't, they didn't include him in like another mm-hmm. position? No. Are you serious? I'm serious. A kid hitting 400 yes. is not top. He's top Correct. five. I mean, yep. okay. okay. I, I, I saw that. And I saw your tweet, and I thought, surely they don't know that he's a first baseman. Like, but okay, but oh, if you look at the box score too, right? It's but I'm like, saying, like, did they put they? So they did you? They didn't no, have, he's not at third base or second base. Well, you know what? I'm glad he exists on our baseball team. <laughs> Who cares about the rankings? <laughs> yes, um, and wow. then Nelson, you know, he just does what he keeps doing. Um, third time Florida State's gone back to back this year already. Um, third time in the last five games as well. Um, you know, the opposite field power is really. You know, the opposite field, the willingness to go opposite field for him has been the big reason this power is coming. Um, you know, just drives a fastball over that fence, um, just a line drive swing, really. Um, you know, eight homers now. He's like, averaging basically a homer every seven at-bats. Um, Matt Nelson, I don't think you can find many guys hotter than him right now, maybe than, you know, the guy that hits right around him and Robbie Martin and, and Tyler Martin. I mean, those are the three three of the hottest hitters in the country, um, three of the best hitters in the ACC, and you got them one, two, three in the order. I mean, they're always going to do stuff for you. Um, when you get this type of production from the top of the order, you're not going to lose many games, um, you know, and you're probably going to get – you're going to get more from the back end of that, um, especially when you get a Logan Lacey back. It doesn't sound like he's going to be out too long. Um, you, you got Reese back now. Uh, this this lineup is going to be – this lineup is going to be good for the rest of the year, and it's it's deeper than I think people think. Um, you know, it wasn't a good night, but, you know, Nander's going to have better nights, I think. Um, Romano's going to have better nights. Quell's going to have – Good nights, I think. Didn't really get a payoff. Um, you know, like I said, Messick had a couple hard hit balls. Um, just, but when this this the top of the order is definitely going to drive it, and this is one of the best top of the orders, one of the best one through threes in the country, I think. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you 100% there. So, Florida State, um, they the tying runs came for UCF in the top of the eighth. Um, give the Knights credit. I thought I thought they did a good job of, of battling against Florida State and. Um, I think the highlight there for me was Davis Hare, I I thought, came in and did a nice job of making sure that an inning didn't get away from Florida State, um, made sure that that, that a two-run inning wasn't going to turn into a possible four- or five-run inning, kept FSU in the ballgame. Yeah, like we've said a lot, this this pitching staff has made pitches when they needed to this year. Um, and, you know, they not only have they made pitches to get out of innings, but they've also had a lot of shutdown innings where um, Florida State has scored and they put up a zero. Um, you know, I know they didn't do it in the eighth. Uh, they didn't do it every time last night. You know, they scored they scored two in the third and then they give up two. But, you know, they do score two in the fifth and then Jack Anderson puts up a zero. Um, Jack Anderson was as good as it gets last night, was dotting everything. Um, you know, 21 pitches, six up, six down, three Ks. Um, I mean, it was, it was just, it was as good. It, it couldn't have been any better. He was perfect on the night. Uh, probably got taken out just so that he's available Friday. Um, they didn't want to push anybody more than 20 or so pitches. It's another reason when Clayton Kukowski came out after one inning. I know some people were questioning those moves, but, um, you know, Meet said, you know, we're going to put an emphasis way more on, on conference play, especially with a Wednesday game. And you only have one day rest. So, um, you know, I think that, that that's fine reasoning for those. Um, it's good reasoning for those. I think that should be where your, where your emphasis is all the time. Um, you know, I don't love bringing in – Haney as your eighth inning shutdown guy in the eighth inning um, just because, you know, I think Haney's always been a go-to guy for you. A lot of that reason has been you haven't had a ton of bullpen depth. You haven't had a ton of bullpen power. Um, Florida State has the power this year where they don't need Haney to be the go-to guy all the time. He doesn't have to be the eighth inning guy. He can be a matchup guy for you, and you can go and let your big arms eat and when you need them to close down games, I think. Um, and, you know, Haney can be the rubber arm to get you one out and get a ground ball. But he doesn't have to be the, the eighth inning. He doesn't have to be that guy. There's no reason for it this year, I think. Um, you know, Chase is obviously going to be a big part of this team no matter what. But he's a matchup guy. That's what, that's what, he, that's what side armors are for. 
But like you said, Davis gets the timely strikeout. Um, Jonah gets a timely strikeout the next inning. Uh, Purdue got a timely ground ball. Um, doesn't get the, the the benefit from it, but um, just timely pitches all night, I thought, from, from the bullpen. Yeah, um, let's quickly wrap up UCF here. Top 10, um, UCF is able to find a run. Florida State had a double play ball to end the inning there, and um, – Ah, Nander, Nander rushed it. It would have been a bang bang play. I think you're, you're right there when we talked about it before we hit record. Um, but Nander threw it away, and I think in the moment a lot of us went, "Oh, there, there's, uh, there's something that." Um, that was Florida is State. That was Florida State's first error in 37. It innings. was, and, and they had played super. So technically, through nine more innings, FSU played clean baseball. But that tenth inning is just a throw that I think Nander wishes he had back. And, you know, maybe old FSU of a couple weeks ago would have uh, unraveled or that would have, you know, been what did the Knowles in. But it's a team that plays with a lot of confidence right now. And um, Nander's made a lot more, you know, better plays than he has bad plays this year. And so you go to the bottom of the 10th, UCF's up by one. You know, you could you could kind of fold. You could kind of say, well, we were on a hot streak, you know, and, and baseball does that where it always comes to an end at some point. But not. I'm not saying that Florida State didn't fold, but they got some help. Is what I'll say. Good baseball teams find ways to win, Brett Nevitt. Hit by pitch, hit by pitch, walk. Look, UCF crapped their pants. Like, that's completely okay. I mean, it it does happen. It was some sort of ending. It was some sort of I mean, you go hit by pitch, hit by pitch, walk, and then you have this infield fly that is, first of all, it's Ryan Romano's brother, Nick Romano, and Ryan Romano's at third base trying to figure out what he's going to do. Nick Romano's trying to figure out where the ball is in the air. Um, they don't catch it. Florida State sprints. Florida State, all the runners go. I don't even know if they wanted to go. I don't know if that was what Meat wanted them to do. So I don't know if people wanted, wanted us to explain this a bit. You know, the pot, once the ball's in the air and the, infi- and the ups call uh, infield fly, it's a dead ball. It's like a dead – it's dead like that – like the play itself. The play itself is not dead, but it doesn't have to be caught for it to be an out. The out is the, the out is recorded. The out is already recorded. And the reason, it doesn't have to be caught. And the reason that rule is in place is to prevent the infielder from, from purposely being able to, yeah, not on catching purpose it. getting a double play of some sort. So it's there to help the hitting team. But, but then keep going. When it's in play, it's not like just because it hit the ground, it's not like a ground ball. It's not a force play at home. It's not a force play at any base because there's no runner running to first base. It's like if there was a wild pitch or you're tagging up. But I don't believe you have to tag it's up. Like, but it's like a sack fly in terms of rules. Yes. So Romano comes home. UCF does throw the ball to the plate, and it beats, Romano, no tag. And beats Romano by a good bit. Romano would have been out by a mile <laughs> if there was a tag. But there was no tag. And so Romano's walking into the dugout. Um, Meat already knows the rule. Meat's running down there to say that counts, well, the that best, counts, that the counts. The best part was the umpire was just standing there, and the umpire just like slowly puts his arms up to signal safe. And I was just, I was just like laughing. I was like, "What is going yeah, on?" UCF right now? didn't know what to do there. Florida State took advantage. But UC, I mean, UCF's coach didn't even argue it. He was just like, "Well, we just screwed up." Whatever. So tie ball game. And then, then Messick grounds out, <laughs> and then walks Reese walks on five pitches. I think. <laughs> I mean, when it, it's going it, your way, it, Brett, it, though, when things are going your way, they're really going your way. You know. In the game of baseball, sometimes when it feels like you can't catch a break, those types of things happen to you rather than for you. I mean, I don't think UCF had walked a batter before the 10th inning, now that I'm looking at it. I think they had a one hit by pitch or two hit by pitches, and then they went hit by pitch, hit by pitch, walk, and three walks. Yeah, Litchfield and then Hunsicker. Hey, man, that's tough. Uh, Tough to be Greg Love. Rattled, and they're all rattled, man. I'm going to give credit to the 1,569 fans that the attendance says were there. Um, by the way, I saw Florida upgraded to 50% capacity recently. So I'm hoping Florida State's not far behind and maybe allowing, I don't know, 3,500 or so, which honestly, if you think about it, is kind of what a normal FSU baseball game is on average anyway. I mean, FSU announces it's like, 4,500 or 5,000, but there's no way actual butts and seats are. They also count like the players, the media, the coaches. The point is, I think from a optics perspective, if you're looking at the games, the grandstands are going to look a lot more like normal. Hopefully soon. I think we're, we're pretty close. And I actually think, uh, did DeSantis make, uh, vaccines available? I think for everyone, I think it's 18 or over by like April 5th. So we're pretty much in the state of Florida getting to a point where now it's, Basically, you can start opening things up to being as, as normal as possible. Maybe not full-on Texas, but 
I think we're getting closer to, to being back to normal. I don't um, watch the news. So I don't know. Just letting you know. Not not going to get into a politics pod here, but uh, those the facts are the facts, and we'll see if um, more fans are able to to come into uh, Hauser this season. But um, all right, Knowles win six to five. Good stuff, Knowles. Moving on. Brett wants Brett's raising his I hand. Just, we'll just I think we should just um, post game note. Just uh, meet announced that Doug Kirkland's going to have Tommy John surgery. Um, that's not a killer for FSU this year in a way that um, it's going to – I mean, they've been good without him, but it's a killer just because Doug Kirkland is really good, and he's he's a back-end arm, back-end mentality. Um, you know, we saw him in the summer throw, and it was as good as it gets for a closer. I mean, 95-plus hammer-breaking balls. Um, you know, just that, that co- the cocky attitude you kind of need from a closer out there to shut games down. Um, Doug Kirkland's going to be a really good arm. Um, Florida State's not going to have him for the rest of the year. Um, you know, starting rehab here soon, I think, um, and getting getting his surgery soon here, I think, and then starting rehab. But um, you know, sucks for Doug. Uh, hope he gets better soon. Um, he's going to be a really good arm in the future, but that's definitely a tough blow for FSU this year, I think. Do you think he would have been able to? Kind he would have been. The, I think he would have been the closer. I'm saying, well, yeah, Uh-oh. preseason, but like mm-hmm. even if he came back now on like rehab or something and it wasn't all that serious, would he have a role in this staff? Would he be able to get to a point where he has a role on this staff, just as, as well as their pitching? I don't know. I don't think we would have seen Doug Kirkland. Um, I think at least full, full Doug Kirkland's um, impact on FSU this season, anyway. Oh, I just going into this. I mean, if, if you have a healthy Doug Kirkland. Yeah, it's tough, I know it's other guys close. have thrown well, but he would have been he would have been the closer. He was one of the first names I think in the fall when I walked into Hauser. You were giving me kind of the rundown on a few of the names. Yeah, and you said Kirkland's one. You showed me a couple of YouTube videos, and it's curveball and slider, and ninety six, ninety seven, and he's locating. So like it, it it reminded me of Hunter Purdue in a lot of ways. Not not a hundred percent to a T, but like there was some some Purdue to him and. Yeah, you're right. That that sucks. I mean, it's a, and the other thing was, it, it, Kirkland was going to be Florida State's emergency catcher after they'd already lost Baz Jimenez, and that's a lot of reason why when Nelly went down, we we were really worried about what what what's the depth here. Um, so it it hurts in a couple different ways too. Yeah, what doesn't hurt is being 11 and six now, um, winning another ball game, and uh, win a home game. That's always nice. So let's move on. Let's talk about Wake a little bit. Um, this is a Wake Forest team that. A lot of people had as a consensus top 20 ball club. Um, I talked to Mike Martin Jr. earlier today. I'm just getting ready for the broadcast this weekend. And he said, you know, we can't afford to take them lightly because I look through that lineup and I see names that have a track record of success at the level. And um, he said it himself. He goes, they were a consensus top 20 team. So um, this is the it's a team that's been affected by COVID, folks. Um, they've missed a lot of games. A lot of their games have already been postponed or canceled. I'm, I'm going to count them out for you right now real quick. You've got one, uh, five, seven, six, seven. Okay, yeah, seven games, either postponed or canceled. And um, Wake's been hit. They've been hit hard by it. Uh, I was told by someone um, that knows about their staff that they may only have eight or nine arms available altogether. And they've had some problems um, being healthy. But... Uh, they are six and eight right now. I don't know if they've won a ACC series yet. I don't believe they have. No, they lost two or three to Georgia Tech this past weekend. They lost two to Miami before the third one was canceled. Their entire weekend against Boston College was postponed, and they had one against Notre Dame postponed. Um, and I think they lost. Well, they ended up being able to play that series um, in full, but they lost two or three. Um, so their only series win this year is against Northeastern, and two of the three ball games were pretty close. So um, Wake's struggling. Uh, the lineup is not, you know, as a result of Brett and I, have, I think, touched on this before with FSU. You needed bats, right, Brett, to be able to kind of find a groove um, at the plate. Wake, because of all these cancellations, has not had the opportunity to really get in a groove. As a result, they hit 220 as a team, only 14 home runs. This is Wake Forest um, that they've coined themselves. Um, they strike out a ton, but when I read out some of these names to you, you know, if you love college baseball, you've heard the names, Bobby Seymour, 2019 ACC offensive player of the year. Um, Chris Lanzilli, big guy who I think hit three or four home runs against Florida state a couple years ago in that weekend series in Tallahassee, uh, Shane Muntz, uh, a catcher who's been there a while, Michael Ludwig, uh, Michael Turconi. They've got names like they, they, this is like 
five or six very familiar names in that lineup that have all hit at some point in their careers. So you just kind of hope that this weekend, Brett, is not the weekend that they figure it out. Um, but I, I mean, I love our pitching staff. I love what we've been able to do. Uh, but the point is, this lineup could be a sleeping giant. Yeah, that's what I've told. I mean, I think it's a sleeping giant for sure. I mean, you look at these, these are not guys that are going to slump for an entire year. I mean, right now their best hitter right is a freshman too, 273, um, a kid from the Tampa area that I know a lot of these guys know, and Brock Wilkin. Um, you know, I think a lot of these guys are lefties too. I mean, it might take a weekend of hitting some pop flies over the right field fence with Dick Hauser to get going. Um, like you said, I know Lanzilli had a, a few bombs off in, in, in uh, Dick Houcher. Um, you know, a lot of these guys gave Connor Grady trouble a couple of years ago. Um, this, these, are guys, these guys, the numbers are deceptive for sure. I mean, we know these guys can hit. I mean, they're hitting 220 as a team. Um, I think two years ago they hit like 300 as a team or something. I mean, this, this lineup can really hit. You know, they are prone to strikeouts no matter what, though, I think. And I think Florida State's pitching staff will definitely be able to take advantage of that. Um, but I think these guys walk a bit as well. Um, so Florida State's got to really attack the zone this weekend, I think. And uh, Wake Forest is barely going to run on the, on the base pass, I think. Yeah, and I think this is a perfect segue for us. Brett actually had a chance to chat with Florida State's pitching coach, uh, Jimmy Bellinger, who has done an incredible job um, in two years with FSU. So um, this is a really good interview. I I actually liked listening to it on the way um, here to Brett's to record this podcast. So um, enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you on the other side. Just first off, Belly, we're about four or five weeks in the season now. Um, you know, you guys are top 20 or so in a lot of major categories in the nation. Just how pleased are you with your staff so far this season? Uh, you know, I, I, obviously I'm very pleased. You know, we've been throwing the ball really well as of late. You know, we uh, we didn't – obviously our first weekend we were a lot, of, a lot of rough around the edges. I don't know if guys were nervous or what, but I, th- I feel like each week we've just improved in a certain area, you know, but I think – Honestly, I think there's a you know another level our guys can get to that we haven't gotten to yet. But we've been uh, we've been pretty consistent over the past couple of weeks, and those are usually the best pitching staffs, the ones that are consistent. You know, I think the first week or so, you know, you guys struggled with. Um, I think you felt like you didn't attack enough and just um, weren't using that AA three four K. Just how much have you felt like the guys have attacked of late, and how good are they when they attack and, and use that motto? Well, I mean, we're obviously really good when we do that. We've shown over the past couple of games, you know, when we do the, when we're able to do that, we're, we're pretty good. And yeah, you know, th- just the first couple of weeks, we just weren't in the zone enough. We were giving up way too many free passes. Um, like even the one nothing game versus Pitt the second weekend of the year, we didn't throw the ball great that game. I, honestly, if I'm being honest, the, the, the last game versus Pitt, even though we gave up nine runs, that was the only the, the only game in the series. I felt like, man, we were getting after, you know, we were throwing a lot of strikes. They just – they ran into a couple of balls and hit them out of the ballpark. Um, you know, but from there on out, I feel like, you know, each time out we've kind of gotten better. I think, you know, another big piece of it is establishing roles. You know, I think us starting conference play the second weekend of the year, <clears throat> you know, we're still trying to figure out who can do what, you know. Um, and I think we thought, you know – Hunter Purdue could close, but he had never done it before. You know what I mean? So we, you know, it's just trying to figure out what guys fit in the best spots and put the best matchups out there. And that stuff takes time, you know, and, you know, we didn't know Parker Messick was going to be our closer until uh, Texas tech last year. We're like, well, this guy can do it, you know? Um, So I think it's, you know, a combination of all the things it's, you know, obviously our guys get more comfortable. We're attacking the zone more, but I think guys are starting to get comfortable in their roles and when they know they'll get into the game. Do you feel like with a staff this deep that the roles are kind of um, ever changing for this whole year, or do you feel like you have those roles completely defined at this point? You know, some of the guys, you know, like Chase Haney's going to do what he does. You know, so he, he gave up the two hits yesterday, but he's, he's going to keep rolling out there and doing his thing. Um, you know, Joan is going to do what he does, but like the back end of the game is where it's kind of like, I have no problem finishing a game with hair or finishing a game with Purdue. And, um, I think like those older guys, I think, you know, you, you kind of see what their roles are for me. The guys that they're going to c- continue to evolve is like a, a Brandon Walker, you know what I mean? As he continues to get more opportunities, I could see his role evolving and, and, uh, you know, a guy like Ross Dunn and, you know, some guys, some of them younger guys who haven't pitched as much enough to really 
say, yeah, this guy's going to fill it to this spot. I think those you'll see those roles evolve as they continue to get more opportunities. You know, I think B walking um, and Ross were two guys really, I was going to ask about, but just how do you balance between, you know, you know, you have to win games but you also need to get some of those younger guys work to realize what they can do. Um, you know, I think, I think Armstrong was warming up in the 10th last inning as well. Um, just how do you balance those two things um, in a season? It's hard, you know, especially once we, we got these midweek games going now. Um, you just try to make sure that they get on the mound as much as, you know, you, you could, you know. So, like, I try to make sure those guys are on the mound at least once every three days and they're just not going stagnant. And and uh, we just preach preparing and, and preparing the right way. And when they get their opportunity, be ready to go, you know, not feel bad for themselves. And it's uh, – I would imagine a lot of teams are like it, whether it be position player side, pitching side, both where it's just a year in college baseball. There's just a lot of depth and you got a lot of guys that return to college that might not have returned in years past. So it's, you know, for young guys, it's just a little bit harder. You know what I mean? It's, you just got to prepare and just wait for your opportunity. And you know, all those guys, Armstrong, Mezu, um, you know, Ross Dunn, you know, Kroll, th- those guys are going to be huge pieces to the future of this program on our, on the mound, you know, but we just got to find time to get them in there when we can. And it's hard, you know, it's, it's pretty difficult. Like, you know, we didn't get Jack Anderson in the game over the weekend. I wanted to get him in the game. Like there's just so many innings that you can make it work, you know? You know, I think um, a part of that AA 34 k that you guys use a lot is the change up and just, um, you know, I think you like to use change ups in certain counts to get yourself back in favorable counts. Just, how important is the change up to what you guys do? And, you know, especially in recruiting when you go out and look at guys, you know, in the recruiting process, not as much, um, to be honest, I think it's a pitch that you can teach. We just throw it a ton, you know what I mean? And, uh, and obviously some guys have a little more level of a comfort than others. Some are better than others, but we, you know, we force our guys to play catch with it every single day, you know what I mean? So, and we force them to throw it in the bullpen every single time they're out there. Uh, so it's just a pitch that, we challenge them to throw. And then when we scrimmage and we do live batting practice, we force them to throw it in the counts, in, you know, in one out counts and two one counts, just because we know how important it is. Just like you said, just to, to get you back in the counts and, you know, guys that are super fastball aggressive or teams that are really good at hitting fastballs. Like, you know, last night that, that team was really good, stayed on the heater really well, but uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, we don't recruit it all that much. I mean, there are guys where you're like, man, that's a plus changeup and that's awesome, but we teach it and we preach it. No, you guys um, got some bad news this week. I think Meat was saying that Doug Kirkland's going to have Tommy John's surgery. I guess just first off, what do you still expect from him and his development? Um, you know, I think he was one of those back end guys for you coming into this season. And just second off, how do you, how do you expect him to um, approach, approach Tommy, uh, the rehab? It's, it's a long process, you know, so he, you know, he found out yesterday. Uh, so you, you're going to, you know, like anything, you're going to go through all the different, you know, phases. Um, so, but I think, you know, right now, I mean, he was working, you know, he, he injured himself at the end of January and, uh, and we tried to rehab it back. And I think, you know, as crazy as it sounds, there's probably a little bit of peace of mind that comes with it. Knowing like, you know, there is something wrong. You know what I mean? It's not just pain that he's, you know, feel like he's going crazy with. Um, but uh, I mean, he, he, I just expect him to have a positive attitude and it's a long process. There's going to be ups and downs. And, you know, we have some guys like Chase Haney, Kwiatkowski, Purdue, who've gone through, you know, Tommy John on our staff. So, um, you know, I'd expect him to lean on those guys, you know, but we have a great training staff and, you know, they'll, they'll get him right and he'll be, back going doing what he does you know you've had a few pitchers here inserted into the lineup just um when those guys are become two ways just how does it change your approach to how you work with them um do you work with them left last i just how, how does that work for you during a week uh, especially when one of those guys is your friday night starter i just get my stuff done early with them so they, they just come out early and me and i'll just do it like one-on-one stuff with them same same thing before the game uh like you know, our team goes out and stretches. Crowell will just go and get all his throwing done with me, and then he's with the position players the rest of the day. So they don't miss a beat with me. I just – they're just not with the pitching staff doing everything. Just what was your reaction when Parker hit Homer in his first at-bat? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty awesome. I mean, 
I mean, it was right. I think we had hit a three run homer that inning already. So we were up three, nothing. So I was already pretty jacked up because we'd been scuffling. Um, but I mean, it really wasn't surprising to be honest with you. He's just a super competitive kid. Um, but I mean, it got, I mean, I think for more than anything, it just kind of like him and Wyatt going in there and doing well, just freed guys up a little bit. I mean, we just, we had a lot of guys who have had success here that were just pressing, you know, and scuffling and, and sometimes you go out and you see that it just takes the weight off of other guys' shoulders. And I think that's kind of helped everybody out. You know, Parker, since that first start um, and opening day has just been pretty much been dominant. Just how much energy do you get from him on the mound? And could you think of having a better um, bulldog, better competitor as a Friday starter? No, he wills himself to win games. Honestly, Brett, he ain't, I, I wouldn't say he's had his A stuff yet. I mean, I think even last week, I mean, he, he battled early on against Miami, like, but he, he settles in really well in the games, but like there hasn't been a, an outing this year where it's been like some of the outings he's had in the fall, the preseason where it's like the command, the fastball command is awesome. Um, you know, that's kind of where he, he just, he's got a really good change up and he can pitch backwards and he's really tough. Um, but the fastball command is, hasn't been what it, it could be, you know what I mean? So I think, Hopefully it, it continues to improve and we're getting, starting to get those outings towards the end of the year when it really matters. But um, he's just the, the competitiveness and he just wills himself to win games. He just doesn't like to lose. You know, you guys were always high on Bryce and this year he's really shown um, everybody why just um, first off, I guess, you know, that first inning in Miami, um, how, how did that show the strides he's made mentally on the mound? And then second of all, um, just, is this just the beginning of how good Bryce can be on the man? Yeah, he's just he's just hard to hit. You know, he's just got a really good fastball, like metrically the way it moves, and he's got a really good breaking ball. Um, you know, mentally, I think it's he's making the jump that most freshmen to sophomore should make. You know what I mean? Like freshman year, you get a lot of guys that when the game gets fast, they can't slow it down, and you saw that with Bryce at times last year. And, you know, but through those experiences, he was able to make adjustments. And now the same things that happened last year where we couldn't get him out of the game fast enough, he was able to learn from those experiences and, and be able to just minimize, minimize innings, you know. Um, but, I mean, he's just – for me, he just continues to get better. His bullpens have been super consistent. Um, his changeups really developing. He's just – you know, I think he's got a pretty high ceiling. I mean, he's obviously – I think he really compliments um, Parker, you know, after throwing like a guy like Parker and kind of the way he attacks hitters, I think an offense the next day has really got to totally change what they're thinking when they face Bryce. And I think that if they complement each other pretty good, and I think to flip it, the same thing with Grady, then you got to really flip it back. You know, I was just about to ask about Connor. I mean, does, can you think of anybody making your, your life easier on a Sunday? I mean, how confident are you going into Sundays with Connor on the mound? I mean, it's the only guy I've ever coached where he could throw his slider for a strike more than his fastball. But he, uh, he's just older. He can hold runners. He fields his position. I mean, just you just know what you're going to get every single time out. And as a coach, I mean, there's, an, there's a lot of comfort in running the guy out there and knowing exactly what you're going to get every time. You know, I think right now you're also getting that. From Jonah and Clayton, I mean, I think they've thrown 16 innings this year and haven't given up a run. Just how much of a luxury are those guys, not just experience-wise, but also what they give you um, every day on the mound? I mean, it's all, I mean, and they're totally different, you know. Jonah will drive you crazy sometimes because I feel like every time he usually comes into a game, he goes 3-0 on a hitter, so he'll drive me nuts with that. But uh, there's just there's so much experience there, you know what I mean? They've been through the game. They've been through this conference uh, that – you just, I mean, they're doing what they should do. You know what I mean? They're older guys who have good stuff, who are competitive, and, and uh, you know, obviously they, they've, they've had a lot of success to this point. You know, last year Davis struggled a bit, but this year, um, you know, he's been lights out in big moments for you guys. Just what's been the difference for him this year? I mean, I'd say it's just, just the maturity, you know, on and off the field. Just his handling his business, the way he's done things in the classroom, off the field, all that kind of stuff. Um, for I think Jack struggled in just like his first outing this year, but, um, you know, I feel like he's gotten better every single time he stepped on the mound. And last night, 
um, you know, six up, six down. Just what have you seen in his progression since you got here and also since the first game of the year this year? Well, the first game of the year was like everybody. You know, we ran him out. Parker was really struggled in that third inning. And then, uh, you know, we, we run him out there and we, we might not, maybe shouldn't have put him in the middle of the inning, let him start a clean inning because he really hadn't done that much. So that might have been part of it, you know, that he really hadn't come in with runners on base. Um, you know, we've, we have some guys that are really good at that. And, you know, maybe just we should have done that just looking back. But uh, he just throws so many strikes, you know, with Jack is, you know, you're going to have to hit him to beat him, you know. And, and there's times where his fastball, you know, will he'll miss down the middle and be up and it will get hit. But he just is, he just stresses hitters because I feel like he's always 0-2 on every guy. And uh, he's got a really good slider. I mean, I think he showed that yesterday. I mean, he's got, you know, makings of a really good breaking ball. He's got feel for the changeup. Um, again, it's kind of like Connor. He can hold runners. I mean, it's he's just a really, really good college pitcher. You know, he just can do a lot of different things for you and, and pitch in a lot of different roles. Like, I would feel totally comfortable throwing Jack on as a weekend starter. But, you know, we're fortunate where we can keep him in that role where he is, you know. Um, you know, Carson has definitely shown flashes of what he can be um, in the future and this year as well. Um, but just what, what do you expect from him moving forward? Um, you know, I think Meet said multiple times that we, we still haven't seen the very best Carson Montgomery. Yeah, just you just saw some instances like we talked about with Bryce's freshman year, like where the game starts to get fast, just being able to minimize things happening. And you saw that in the fourth, the game just started to get a little bit fast. And uh, he was starting falling behind in counts and stuff like that. And and. I, I basically what I expect from him is just to, is each outing, just try to improve, you know, I, and I think he's done that, you know, and that's, that's all I ask just to try to improve, try to learn from the mistakes you made. Um, you know, honestly, yesterday I probably made some mistakes with them. I, I kind of got away from the fastball with them yesterday and, and, you know, looking back that that was probably a mistake on my part, but um, just really, that's it. Just each outing, just try to improve just a little bit. You know, lastly, like I think you said earlier that, you know, you think these guys can take it even another level up. Just how good do you think this staff can be? Um, you know, I think you guys think it's, it can really be one of the best in the nation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we just I – mean, there's still outings where, you know, I feel like we fall behind too many hitters or we walk too many guys or hit too many guys. Um, just, you know, pitching, you know, a little bit cleaner. But, you know, the, the one thing this staff has done a great job of, and I'm not going to is like when – most of the year when we score, we've done a really good job of putting up a zero the next inning. You know, yesterday we didn't the first time, you know, we put up the two spot and then we came back and gave it right back to them. But for most of this year, our, our staff has done a really good job of when we go out and put up runs, we always put up a zero and keep momentum in our side. Um, and that, that's the makings of a good staff where they just, when you could kind of shut a team's water off, you know what I mean? When, when you get it going. But for me, I think that just the next level for us is just commanding the baseball more consistently. We still have some instances. You saw it even yesterday where we just fall behind some hitters. All right. Thanks, Belly, for joining us. Uh, good stuff from Brett there on the interview. Uh, something we hope to keep doing is being able to have the coaching staff and players join us on Sunday Gold's exclusive interviews and uh, best coverage of FSU baseball. Brett already does it for Tomahawk Nation, and, and we hope that this is uh, an audio version of that for you on your drives to work or whenever uh, at your own leisure. All right, so we talked about the lineup, Brett. Um, we can dive in a little bit more if you want. Um, Lanzilli hits home runs. We know that Seymour has, in the past, hit like, didn't he hit like 380 in 2019? It was something so. crazy. He's only hitting 240 right now. Um, I remember calling the Wake Series a few years ago. Shane Muntz hit an absolute mammoth home run, grand slam to straight center. I think it was off Connor. Um, that Sunday game was epic in Tallahassee. Did did Wake win the series? I think I Wake think, only won the Sunday did, game. Did they just win the Sunday game? I think so. Okay. Yeah, it's been a minute. Bobby so, Seymour hit 377 with nine homers and 20 doubles. Yeah. I remember something like 380. In 2019. That Sunday game. 328 so think, career hitter. That Sunday game, he hit like, I think, two bases clearing doubles. Like there was one to left center that cleared the bases three runs, and then one to right center. And so, I mean, he hits. Ludwig is hitting his career. He's only 135 right now. Um, Tarconi, um says he's only played in nine games, so I need to check in on Lanzillian, that. Lanzillian, sure. 2019, hit 347 with 16 bombs right. and 19 doubles. Right. So their best hitter right now is Brock Wilkin. 273, four home runs, 11 RBIs. Brett, I don't know if you know if he's a transfer or a freshman. Fresh, true, freshman true freshman from, 
uh, the Tampa area, I think Bloomingdale High School, correct? Yep. Um, okay. Third baseman, yeah. He's, he can definitely hit, yeah. hit for some power. All right, so this is a Wake team that can hit for some power. They haven't so far this year a whole lot. Um, just 14 of them in um, – looks like they've – well, actually they have hit kind of quite a bit. They've only played 14 games, folks. So one per game. Still powers – the power's present. It's not completely gone. I do think we need to – Make a note that they do play in kind of a, a small park. Eleven of their fourteen games. Shane Munts hit three thirteen with fourteen bombs in twenty nineteen. Brett's just completely going back to twenty nineteen. Is there? I mean, these else? guys can hit, man. Like yeah. these numbers are not. I don't. I like. I don't even pay them attention. I'm right hoping now. like they play. I think this week Wake plays uh, Elon. Nope, they already played Elon. They won four to two, so the offense didn't really find it. I'm yeah. I'm hoping it's not this weekend against a good pitching staff. So I'm I'm hopeful that this is not the weekend Wake decides to have like a, a ten piece on the board. Um, because let's let's transition into their rotation. It is a rotation that has some upside. Um, Friday night, Ryan Cusick, three sixty three ERA, seventeen innings, a little bit north of that, um, three starts. I'm not sure if he was one of the players that had COVID because he didn't pitch against Miami, but he's been their Friday night guy. Uh, seven walks, 31 strikeouts, batters hitting 219. Brett, he is, in every sense of the term, a flamethrower. Yeah, 90. I mean, he's going to sit mid-90s. Um, supposedly, he's been up to 100 this year. Don't know if that's accurate, but, um, I mean, anytime that's that's in the, in, that's in the talking about you, um, you obviously have some fire in your arm. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a guy that throws a lot of fastballs. I don't think his off speed is really um it's not a super it's not super use uh not super a plus um for him you know 78 82 kind of a slurby breaking ball i think um not really much of a change up um so florida state's just i think they got to be ready they got to be geared up for the fastball um you know so far q6 363 or a um oh man 31 strikeouts in 17 innings um, well, that, that is, that's a lot of strikeouts. Um, 14 hits allowed, seven earned runs, three doubles, two hit, two homers, 219 average against. Um, definitely a guy that is probably going to put up some strikeout numbers, I think. Um, I think it also, I think Florida State will attack early, but, um, you know, high nine, how 90s, just because you're attacking early doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be making a ton of contact. Um, I just still think Florida State can do some damage, definitely run into a couple balls. Um, you know, but Cusick's going to be a high-end draft pick, so it's definitely going to be uh, a good test for this Florida State lineup, I think. Yeah, some people have him, you know, being a first-round grade in terms of stuff, so um, spin rate pretty high, can uh, throw a couple of breaking balls. That's something that they've improved on, and he's got a chance to be an All-American honor, an All-American honors guy, um, and they think if the secondary stuff continues to develop, you know, the He's got a slurve that he kind of has it. This says he sits to about 80, it says 81, 82 with it. And um, yeah, they think if he if he shows command of the secondary stuff, he's got a chance to go pretty high. Um, they did lose Antonio Menendez, uh, who is uh, really nasty. He has had some success against Florida State in his career, a veteran. Um, I remember him being a guy that could kind of throw from a high arm slot and then kind of go low three quarters to sidearm almost. And he gave Florida State a lot of problems. Um, from that slot because it also is like 93 94 from that slot so uh he is out for the year i believe with tommy john i'm pretty sure and they lost a couple of other guys i just can't remember their names at the moment but i remember reading how big of a deal it was for coach walter and um yeah that that's tough for them they've they've developed uh, and have had to handle a lot of adversity this year uh wake has so we're hoping this isn't the weekend that they figure it out folks but saturday um Will Fleming is a guy that was their closer a few years ago. And um, another one, Brett, that sits about 92, 93, can get it up to 96, has uh, decent off-speed stuff, but he's struggled at times this year. However, he had a really good start against Georgia Tech last weekend. Yeah, and 202 batting average against, um, you know, it hasn't really given up a ton of hits. Um, hasn't really walked a ton of guys either. Um, but he's got a 4.38 ERA. Um, you know, I think he had one just clunk over an outing kind of, and it has kind of just, you know, made his ERA look worse than he's thrown this year. Um, but like you said, he's got good stuff for sure. Um, 92, 94 with the fastball. Um, I think he can run it up a little more into the mid nineties. Um, good off speed stuff, probably the best off speed stuff for their weekend group. Um, you, you know, he's a good ERA last year. I think he had, or he had 22, six K to walk ratio in 22 innings last year. Um, definitely a guy that can give Florida State trouble again from the right side, but 
Um, the way Florida State's hit recently, um, you know, I, and, and he, you know, hitting against a right-handed pitcher, I think I think they're going to run out three right-handed pitchers this weekend. Wake is so um, kind of liking the matchup for Florida State um, just based on that. Um, and I think Wake Forest is a team that's really going to attack with the fastball, and that's what Florida State has been doing well against recently. So, um, you know, I think it could set up again for 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 some success for Florida State if if, if they hit the way they've been hitting lately against um, those early in the early counts. Yeah, so I think the book on Wake is you know their Friday and Saturday guy is going to give them a chance. Yeah, uh, they're going to have a chance against Florida State. I would be personally surprised if FSU had another weekend the way they did against Miami and kind of just obliterated Wake, you know, three times before the fourth inning hits. <laughs> but you never, I mean, you never know. That's baseball. But Cusick, Fleming, those are kind of the the one A, one B guys that you need to know. Um, both capable, both uh, draftable, very high draft picked type of arms. So, um, you know, Parker and and. Um, Bryce are going to have to be on their A games, which, you know, they have both been over the last couple of weeks. Um, Rhett Lauder, their Sunday guy, and, and Brett, we'll talk about Florida State's rotation in a minute, but Rhett Lauder, 559 ERA, 19 in the third innings, 24 hits, 12 earned runs, five walks, 27 strikeouts. <laughs> Opposing hitters are hitting 300. So, Louder's this doesn't make, like, some of these no numbers sense. don't yeah. make sense to me. I mean, you've got 27 Ks in 19 innings, but. You also have a 300 average against and a 5.59 ERA. Um, and I don't think he's really walked anybody. Either. Five walks. Um, gave up five runs and in two innings to Notre Dame. Gave up 10 hits and four innings to Georgia Tech. Um, oh, yeah, I don't, we don't, I don't, there's not much of a book out, out there on this kid. Um, kid from North Carolina. Um, was up to 89 in high school. Um, you know, it seems like he was a mid eighties guy in high school, but don't really know what he's been throwing since he's been, been at Wake Forest. I'm guessing he's, I'm guessing he throws harder than that. If he's got 27 or so strikeouts in 19 innings, um, you know, a kid from that Wake Forest area. Um, so I'm sure Florida state will like their matchup there with a freshman versus Connor Grady for sure. Yeah. I'm doing everything I can to try and get a quick rundown of, of louder, um, Googled his name, tried to go to d1baseball.com to see if they have anything on him. And there's not even like a fall. I'm in the fall report right now, and there isn't even anything on him in this fall report that I'm seeing. Um, so Brett basically nailed it. There's not a whole lot of, of information available. And like you said earlier, I don't think Wake Forest has much depth in their bullpen. Yeah, I was told they have like eight or nine. Yeah, I know. Um, available. So only only name I know here is Camden Nasty, um, Jesuit Tampa guy. Florida State's got three of those. So um, you know, I think he's going to be their closer, uh, true freshman. Uh, you've probably seen him, seen him on pitching ninja a bit. Got a nice little leg kick going for his case struts, but um, that's probably a guy you'll see late in the games if we have some close games this weekend. Yeah, it looks like it's Manassi or Adler. Those are the guys that have got a couple of saves. Um, Adler, 270 ERA in seven appearances. Manassi, 324 ERA in eight appearances. Both guys, um, not too many walks to a lot of strikeouts. So they have ability. Um, Their top arm out of the pen right now looks like Cole McNamee, six and a third. They use him in high leverage situations. And uh, Brennan Oxford is another guy that is used quite often. Um, There's one more, but it looks like he's kind of a midweek starter for them as well. So I'm not real sure if... Reed Mascalo uh, gets I think a lot he's of time. their new midweek starter because I believe Louder was their midweek starter at the start of the year. Got it. So, yeah, so we don't, I don't know who they replaced. But um, that's the book on Wake. They don't defend all, uh, very well. They're nine, 960. Not trash. Like, it's not, it's not something that's killed them. They do play on an artificial turf field um, in Wake in Winston-Salem, and they've played 11 of their 14 games away uh at, at home so this is only going to be their fourth true road game um this season so we'll see if if that plays into it um for the deacons uh, but again brett uh, let's talk about fsu's rotation here because i want to get predictions and, and try and make this a, as short of a pod as we can um on the preview but um messick hubbard grady those three were incredible last weekend all three of them were outstanding um i talked to bryce hubbard today and he said it's it's amazing that we have four guys that you can kind of just interchange with each other like we all have confidence um matt nelson said you know these guys believe that they can be the best pitching staff in the country he's learned how to kind of talk to each of them a little bit and um for bryce hubbard it's been the command able to throw his change up for a strike 
Um, Bryce even admitted to me today that, you know, last year mentally um, it was a problem for him. His, he allowed the mechanical issues to get into his head a little bit, and he kind of lost um, his cool, um, and that's important for a pitcher. Messick's kind of been your bulldog. I think Parker will be super excited to go up against Cusick. I, I know for a fact Parker knows that he's going up against uh, a guy who's supposed to be this first-round pick or, the, you know, a top-round guy, and, and pitchers feed off of stuff like that. So those two, the lefties, um, they're going to have to be good again, I think. Um, and then Connor Grady, kind of your bulldog on a Sunday. FSU has a major pitching advantage if that game goes to a rubber series. I mean, at this rubber point, match, at this point, I think Florida State's got a pitching advantage over every single pitching staff in, in, in the ACC. But, um, yeah, you're definitely right about Grady and, and the freshman for Wake. But um, since that first start, Parker Messick's had a 1-4-6 ERA and is in all these ACC games in these last four starts. Um, 24 innings, 37 Ks, 172 average against. Um, Hubbard's been just as good, 2-2-1 ERA, um, 135 average against. 29 Ks, 20 innings, um, just 10 hits. Uh, Rice has only also only given up four extra base hits. Um, Grady, 3-4-3 ERA in ACC play in 21 innings, um, 2-30 average against. He's got 24 Ks in 21 innings. Um, and I think this the thing, and like Bellinger was talking about too, has kind of been kind of my thought is that these guys play well off of each other. Um, I think they really all fit their their role really well. Where Messick's that guy that sets the tone for you for the weekend, sets the energy for the weekend for your team. Um, you know, Bryce is kind of one of those guys that when he's on, he can really put a team away and just um, you know make a team feel like they've got no chance with the stuff that he has. Sometimes, I mean, you get one thirty five average against, you're obviously doing something right, and you're obviously not giving teams much of a chance. And then Grady's just that guy that. Um, you know, you're going to trust. And you, every time you go out on a Sunday, you feel like you're going to win because you got Grady on the mound. So, um, you know, I don't think there could really be much of an easier – I mean, easier task for a pitching coach on a, on a Sunday than to have Connor Grady as your starter. Um, and, you know, like like you said about Bryce, I mean, there's multiple guy, other guys in this – this rotation is so good that if one guy got hurt, um, you know, another guy would step up. I mean, you know, a Jack Anderson would be a guy they could easily plug in there. Um, Carson, they could plug in there. It's just – there's so much depth, and there's a lot of talent. And uh, the three guys they got in there right now, if they're there for the whole year, Florida State's going to have a chance to go really deep into, into the postseason. Spot on. And I think this is a, a Wake Forest team that strikes out a ton. They've got numerous guys um, up there uh, in strikeouts, and they've only played 14 games. So um, they strike out, it looks like, about 11 times per contest. That's something that Wake does. They, they're free swinging. Like That's a group that really does try to – attack early in counts and i think that's somewhere fsu might take it take advantage of them is off speed early um and parker and hubbard have really located their fastball well connor's changeup has been devastating um especially lately so um i like florida state a lot in this brett let's get a prediction i think fsu takes two of three um i feel confident that a sweep is on the table it's just very hard for me to go into any weekend and just boldly predict a sweep um so Noel's two out of three. I think Wake finds a way to get one. Um, that being said, FSU probably has a good chance to take three this weekend, um, especially at home. Um, now the pressure gets put on Brett. I don't think I can change my predictions. So yeah, there's a I'll method. There I'm is a method confident. to your math. There's a method to your madness. I'm very confident in the Sunday game. Um, I think Wake will have a chance in either the first two games with the guys they have on the mound. Um, you know, obviously last week we thought. Miami's first two pitchers also had good stuff, but Wake's guys also have some experience. Um, you know, a couple, I think they've both faced, or at least one of them has faced Florida State already too. So um, I think Wake will be in there those first two games. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to have to stick with the Wake Force is going to take two or three here. Yeah. Well, it's worked so far. So keep it up. Let's, uh, let's prove Brett wrong again. 3 0, 3 0 when I do it. Look, man, I'm just predicting wins, and it's it's working out just fine for me. So yeah, we can't switch it. Got to keep going with it. You're right, baseball superstitious. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, all right, Knowles and Deacons from Tallahassee. All three games, ACC Network Extra. Uh, I'll be on Saturday's call, so I hope to uh, see a lot of you there. Talk to you a lot. Of, talk to a lot of you there, and um, should be a lot of fun. I'm uh, really looking forward to this. Knowles and Deeks. Uh, Brad's putting his hand up again. We did have a couple questions. Oh, I we believe. did. I'm sorry. Um, Go for it. First off, Aaron Mobley asks, interested in who y'all think had the better outing, Purdue or Hare? Seems like Purdue is, is making more of a case to be the everyday closer. 
but Hare was brought in in a tougher situation. This is UCF against UCF? Yeah, but just I think a question goes for overall who, who would be your closer kind of moving forward if you had to choose between the two. Yeah, I think Purdue's stuff translates more to that closer role. I don't know, but Davis, Davis's mentality, I don't, I, I, I think I'd go Davis right now. I just think, I think if, you, if you're asking me to go, if you're asking me to pick one, now I, I've actually talked to some people on the staff who, who say that they're not actually going to name a closer. It's going to be whoever kind of has the hot hand in the matchup. I so. think in a normal year, they would probably name a closer, but this year there's just so many guys where it's, the thing is, I don't think they like using Purdue in a non-clean inning. I think they like bringing him in when it's just nobody on base, um, you know, because he's been a starter his whole life, really. Um, Hare's been a reliever. He's came into that, those tough situations. So I think Hare could be your guy um, where you use him in those high-leverage situations at any point in a ball game, kind of, and let him go get you, get, get you out of a jam. While Purdue could be your ninth-inning guy, you say, you know what, go face three batters. Um, you know, if you can't get the job done in the first few batters, we got matchup guys to go get you, get you out in the inning. So I think that, I think that could be the formula maybe. My thing is I'm not totally sold that if we go to the ninth inning and it's a one run game and two out of the three guys are lefties coming up and Kwiatkowski and Scalaro haven't been used. That meat's not just going to go to one of those two. Like I think that that, but well, that my that's thing, what the staff. My thing can with hair is hair kind of is one of those guys that has backwards splits because of the splitter, where he's almost better against lefties than he is against righties. So it honestly could end up being where hair is your guy with lefties coming up and Purdue is your guy with righties coming up. I mean, there's just a lot of different options for them, really. I mean, I don't think there's one clear answer, and I don't think there's going to be one that we see consistently at least for still a few more weeks until yeah. someone either doesn't do well or, or someone really takes a, a step forward and but they're both they've both thrown well this year i mean i think they i don't think purdue still hasn't given up an earned run right i mean and he's no, given right. up he's given up some hits but i feel like all purdue's hits have been like grounders that have just been cni balls that have gone through the infield yeah it's hard to pick i mean i don't i don't think we're going to see a closer this year like i actually don't believe fsu will settle on it i still guy, think that we'll i still think you could see a Brandon Walker breakout here at some point and really with more opportunities and more strikes, Brandon Walker really could step forward. Not saying that's who my pick would be right now, but I still think he's a guy that will be in the mix at some point for that closer role. I just still maintain that. I think if, if it's the ninth inning and there are three lefties coming up or two lefties coming up, Meade's not going to hesitate to use Kwiatkowski or Scalaro. Um, Mm -hmm. I just don't, I I think, I, I think there's just that much confidence in, in those two. And, um, or you could see, like, say, Purdue or Hare start the inning, right? First battery. And we saw that from Meat. Like, he wasted no time taking Chase out. Like, if there's a one or two batters that it doesn't go well for someone, you're not telling him he's the closer. You know, like, you're not the closer. It's not your inning. You know, we're not doing or dying by you in that inning. We've got options. And I think yeah. that's kind of the mentality this, this staff will have going forward. But that's a good question. It actually made us think about that a little bit. So good stuff. Ken Adams asked, do you think they are overusing Haney? 11 outings and 17 games in 2021. 12 outings and 17 games when we shut down in 2020. No. Um, personally, I don't think they're overusing Haney just because Chase is kind of one of those rubber arm guys. And outings don't really dictate as much as innings and stressful pitches in that. Like last night, I mean, he threw an, he had an appearance, but, I mean, what, he threw like four or five pitches. I don't think they're overusing him. I don't think they're using him in the perf- exact role he should be late in the season yet, though, is what I'll say, like I, talk, like, like I talked about a bit earlier. I actually do think that – I don't think they're overusing him just for the same reasons that you've said. Um, I do think they're going to try and get him the all-time appearance record, so – yeah, that to me is something that's popped into my mind. Is he's been used eleven times already this year, comparatively to Davis, who's the next most at eight. So uh, Jonah as well, eight times. But I, I really do believe like they're trying to get Chase that that all time records that all time record in uh, appearances. So um, you're going to see him thirty plus times this year. I think that's just something. Unless he like completely implodes, um, wasn't his best performance on Wednesday against UCF, but. Um, I, I just don't see them going away from Chase. I think he's been more reliable than not in his career. So um, we continue to trust that that you know he will do the job more times than he doesn't. But yeah, that's my answer. Um, Noel Greatness asks, how do how do we feel about Parker continuing in the DH role moving forward? Love what he's brought to the lineup so far, but do we worry about the impact on the mound come June? 
Possibly. I mean, that's always a, a maybe. I don't think batting necessarily tires someone too much. Now, if he takes a pitch off the wrist or if he takes a pitch off the ankles, um, I, maybe, yeah. Some, Your injury. upside with Mastic is definitely on the mound, and you have to be careful Yeah. to – I mean, if you get an Elijah Cabell going – I don't think you're going to see Messick in there for the rest. I mean, every game the rest of the season. You're probably right. I just, for me, they've done it in the past. They've let Tyler Holton play when he's pitched. Um, they've let uh, Mike McGee do it in the past. There have been other uh, there have been other similarities, but I just don't yeah. think he needs to be an every single day type of guy. And I think there's already starting to be. I don't think he would be lefty lefty. I think last night we started to see a bit of the book come, a bit of guys seeing him have at bats where. Um, UCF didn't give him many fastballs, but he swung at a lot of the pitches. Um, you know, it's when you haven't hit for a while, you're just going to hunt fastballs, which is what he did. And what he, I mean, he did took advantage of what teams gave him, but teams aren't going to give him as many fastballs moving forward. I mean, especially when he was hitting in that four hole last night. So I lefty lefty. I don't expect to see him in there. Um, yeah. I would love to see, I would love to see Cabell and him platoon for a bit and see if it gets Cabell going. And if it gets Cabell going, you use Messick as, as a pinch hitter sort of off the bench. I do believe we will see Parker and Wyatt continue to be. I really used. like what Corell. Yeah. Corell hasn't had the numbers yet, really, but I've really liked the swings. I've liked the hard contact. Um, I think he's going to get better in the field. He's an athletic kid. He's got a good arm from the outfield. Um, I like what Corell can bring them a lot from a lot of different ways. But at the same time, I really think Corell is a big, big piece of their future in 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 the staff. Yeah. So he's still got to be de- uh, careful with that development as well. So to answer that question specifically, I think we probably do think Parker will will bat less as the season goes forward. Um, but I don't think I don't think that he's it's still be, be an out. impact in there somewhere. Yeah, he's going to be used. That. that Parker Parker has proven that he should at least be used um, at some point um, for Florida State. And I expect him to be in the lineup this weekend too, a little bit. So I don't think that that's something that's happening soon necessarily. But uh, yeah, anything else? That's it. That's it. All right, good pod. Um, thank you guys again for listening. Florida State, I think the times are 6 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock this weekend against Wake Forest. We will have the recap, and we will have a podcast for you, hopefully on Monday or Tuesday of next week. Uh, rate us, please. Apple Pods, Spotify, Google Pods. Uh, send us an email, tweet at us, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Florida State, on a roll. Aria and Brett, signing off.